Welcome to the first episode of Paraphrased Soul. If anyone is at all familiar with my past episodes, you can kind of get an idea of this maybe, um, but still could be really confused. This is a podcast played late at night, or at least recorded late at night. You as a listener can listen to it whenever you would like, but it's meant to serve as a resource to use to listen to when there's a lot going on in your mind and sleep doesn't come so easily. Not to say that my voice is comforting necessarily, but I'm hoping that what I share can be encouraging and give you peace in some way. So sit back, relax, grab a little snack or a sweet treat while you listen along. Now, speaking of sweet treats, what's an event or party or even a small gathering without an array of sweet desserts for your guests? Planning something soon and looking for a caterer? Look to Tea and Me Patisserie. Tea and Me is a Toronto-based business that caters all sorts of events with various desserts, including, but not limited to, cakes, macarons, cupcakes, and cream puffs. Check out their Instagram at Tea and Me Patisserie. That's T E A I N M E P A T I S S E R I E for more info. And DM Timothy Cho for inquiries. That was my rehearsed blurb for um, Tea and Me. Um, but yeah, uh, Tim's a good friend of mine and his desserts aren't just so amazing and so good but Tim as a baker he's very passionate in what he does and every time I talk to him um, he's always so excited to talk about uh, what he's doing he's always looking for opportunities to grow and share his desserts Um, so whenever I get a chance I love um, just helping him out um, the best that I can and yeah I've like I said before like his desserts are really good I've tried them myself Um, they're very unique too like the flavors that he chooses they're not always like the typical like chocolate chip cookie or a vanilla cupcake though he does do stuff like that but um yeah he's very creative in what he does so check out his instagram and plan your events with tea and me patisserie that's tea like the hot drink in me patisserie and delivery pickup location is north york area so with that being said i just wanted to let it out there um, to just support your small local businesses, um, especially with what's happening out there right now. Um, I know a lot of businesses in general aren't doing so well, and that's a huge understatement. Um, So if and when you can, look to help your neighborhood friends. Um, And yeah, I thought I would just get it out there. I saw like a instagram story post that he had um uploaded like not too while ago when everything had started to pick up um and speaking like um 
I'm talking about like the situation out there, um, just of how serious it's becoming. Um, I know a lot of people are suffering because of it, not just physically, but just um, with a lot of the losses that people are facing. Um, so yeah, if you have an opportunity, um, help out anyone that needs help, not just with businesses, but just in general. Um, it is a stressful time for everyone. Um, and it's so easy to freak out and do whatever you can to make sure you're safe and prepared. Um, but to think of other to think of others as well. And I say this in regards to the overstocking of essentials, uh, be considerate of others and purchase what you and those that you're living with need because there are many out there that also need the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, I don't wanna dwell too much on this topic, even though I know it's the biggest thing that's happening right now, but I know just as much as the average person does, so I would suggest for everyone to just keep their eyes and ears on the news and any updates on the situation. But I would say one thing, um, stay at home. <laughs> I know for those who are completely healthy and young and feel zero worry from the situation, maybe thinking it's suffocating and boring to stay at home and you want to go out and meet your friends. And to be honest, that was my mindset in the beginning too. But thinking about those who are affected by the entire situation, not just those who are physically um, affected with um, just with their health and the virus um, and those who are more easily susceptible to it, um, like those who um, have low immune systems or are a bit older in age, um, thinking of those people but also those who are assisting and caring for those who are suffering and spending long hours caring for those people like as we might be just lying in our beds and waiting for time to pass by mindlessly frying our minds with one youtube video after the other um, there are people who are tirelessly working to care for sick people or out there um, regulating the situation um, so let's do our part by mitigating the situation and not risk anything further. And it's very simple. Just stay at home. Use the time that you have to get the rest you need or develop a skill or a hobby that you've been neglecting for some time because of the limited time that you had from your busy schedules. And to look at it positively, you can really use this time on your own to discover something new or uncover an existing skill that's been left dormant. And I'm sure this thought has crossed a lot of our minds when this all began because of the expected excess time we would receive from cancelled plans and lack of commute time. But a struggle that I think a lot of us are facing is, though there is so much time in our hands, laziness is very compelling. It seems like more freedom is providing no motivation to do anything but sleep for 10 hours or 12 hours a day and watch videos for the rest. I fell victim to this routine myself and it stressed me a bit because I knew that I could use this time so much better by accomplishing things I wanted to do in a time when time was limited, such as drawing, painting, studying certain things, reading, and so much more. And this is kind of a side note, but does anyone else do this too? When you're doing work at home, you not only have music playing as you're working, but you also have sounds of a cafe in the background, like light chatter of people, cups, 
uh, glass cups or cutlery clinking. It's weirdly comforting. I just like to say I don't do it often. I'm the type of person that goes to an actual cafe and have the real thing in the background. But at the time like this, when you're trying to social distance yourself, you can only resort to machine-generated background noises of people. But anyways, just wanted to let it out there to see if anyone else had been doing that lately. Now, something that I had wanted to share with you that I had gotten into recently is poetry. This is a particular medium that I have that I had been interested in for a while, but never got myself to explore into. Now, I'm not super deep into it, as one would typically say who's into poetry, as in I can whip out a bunch of famous poets from the back of my mind and recite you my favorite poems and give you a full-on analysis of it. I don't think that's how far I've been into it, but I always had an appreciation to poetry and the nature of it and the artistic style of it compared to prose. Going into this topic of my my recent interest in poetry leads me to explain the name of this podcast because it is related. I'm sure many have been wondering and possibly confused by it. I think I would like to say it's tentative. I wish I could say that I have settled on a name, but if knowing me, I'm very indecisive about pretty much anything and everything, especially when it comes to names. Especially names because when it comes to names, the meaning is so important. I wanted something that not only gave meaning to who I am as a person, but also to the purpose of this podcast and what I'm hoping I can offer through this platform, which is to give encouragement and hope and comfort to those listening. And having to get rid of music as one of the main bulk of the episodes, I was wondering how I can redeem this. How I can keep this going by changing up the format of the podcast while still maintaining my original purpose. So, though I had gotten rid of the music, I still had my voice, my thoughts, stories, and other things that I could share that fulfilled the same purpose. So, you can kind of see this as my little audio diaries. Or, I guess that sounds a bit too personal. Maybe just my thought journal? Um, Yeah, let's go with that. Um... But anyways, I went off on a slight tangent. How does this have anything to do with poetry, you may ask? Well, the name Paraphrase Souls comes from a title of a book that I had recently purchased in response to my growing interest in poetry. Which, by the way, this book was my very first successful online purchase. But anyways, this book is a book I saw was recommended on the Gospel Coalition website that was talking about the importance of poetry, specifically devotional poetry, which is what this book is. It is a collection of the person that created the book's favorite poems, which, by the way, does anyone know uh, what that person is called? Like, he wouldn't be the writer or the poet of this book because he didn't write the, the works that are in it. Well, I mean, he did write the commentaries that go along with each poem, but I'm sure there's a title for someone that compiles a collection of multiple works done by different people. But anyways, maybe I'll research that and let you guys know what what it is, if there is such a title. But this is basically this guy's um, favorite poems in all in one book. 
and this book is titled The Soul in Paraphrase by Leland Riken or Riken. And again, these poems serve as a devotional poet as devotional poetry, which I will explain more when I read the editor's introduction. But he does mention that not all the poems are in that are in this book necessarily Christian or was written for the purpose of an explicitly Christian meaning. However, it's through his commentaries that leads the reader to read it in a way that can be devotional. But the reason that I really enjoyed poetry or any sort of creative medium, whether it be a novel, a film, or a piece of art, is that I really like picking through what it explicitly is given um, or explicitly gives and discover the more implicit meaning behind them. It's that, and I also like how flowery the words are and the flow that poetry has. It's not like how one would normally speak, which is very interesting to me. So going into it, here's a bit of what Leland has written in the editor's introduction to explain the book a bit more. Quote, Devotional poetry is also definable by its effect on a reader. If a poem prompts us to think about God and spiritual and spiritual truth, if it deepens our spiritual insight and experience, and if it awakens a greater love of God and desire to be like Him, it has served a devotional purpose. Devotional poetry fixes our thoughts on the spiritual life and inspires us toward excellence in it. To define devotional poetry by its effect is a subjective definition, balancing a more objective definition based on the content of a poem. Defining devotional poetry by its effect opens the door to a broader field of candidates. Inclusion now depends on how a reader assimilates a poem. If a given reader experiences a poem as defined in the preceding paragraph, it fits the category of devotional poetry for that reader. We can place this line of thought into the following paradigm for all of literature. Literature as a whole divides itself into three groups viewed as, as existing on a continuum. On one end of the continuum, we find the literature of Christian belief and on the other end of literature of unbelief. Between these stands a category that can be called the literature of common experience or the literature of clarification. Bracket, meaning that its chief feature is that it clarifies life, and bracket. The literature of common experience does not signal a specifically Christian identity, but is congruent with Christianity. If it were not, it would belong to the literature of unbelief. A work in this neutral category may have, may have even been written by a Christian. When Christian readers assimilate such literature in terms of who they are as Christian, literature become, can become devotional. We might think of the transaction in terms of imposing a fuller Christian understanding on material that stopped short of such an understanding. Another formula by which to understand the situation is this. If as Christian readers we can read X, bracket, a specific work belonging to the category of common experience in humanity without thinking of Y, bracket, an aspect of the Christian life, and bracket, the work has yielded a Christian reading experience. In this anthology, I have included several poems that belong to the category of the poetry of common experience or clarification. I will use my accompanying commentary to show how these poems can be read devotionally. 
My rationale for including them is twofold. One, they are too good to bypass in an anthology of my favorite devotional poems. And two, I want to plant a seed in my readers that can lead them to nudge ideationally neutral literature into the repertoire of Christian reading. End quote. And now here's an explanation of how Leland got the idea of the title of his book. Quote, The main title of this anthology, The Soul and Paraphrase, is taken from a poem by George Herbert. In its original text, this epithet is applied to prayer, but it is equally accurate as a description of devotional poetry. To paraphrase something means to put it in our own words. That is what the poets represented in this anthology have done. They have put their spiritual emotions of their soul into their words, into their own words. In doing so, they have become our representatives, saying what we too want said, only saying it better. End quote. So as Leland said, he saw that the phrase, the soul and paraphrase, was an epithet for prayer that George Herbert had used in his poem, Prayer. It not only gives an illustration of what prayer is, but also, in his thought, devotional poetry as well. As poets write these poems in a way that pours out their heart and thoughts and desires and emotions in a way that is lifted up to God. So in the same way, I wanted this platform to be a way that I can share any of my thoughts, experiences, and stories. So essentially, a part of my soul in just less than an hour. Now, sharing a part of my soul may sound a bit extreme, but I guess you can see it as a deeper way of saying my thoughts and experiences, which carry more deeper aspects of me, like my desires, hopes, and beliefs. And also, something that I had wanted to do originally when I first began as Midnight Muse was to not just share my own thoughts and stories, but have this interactive and have it be a platform where I can share other people's stories and thoughts that can also be encouraging or comforting for listeners. This is something that I'm still working on, but I'm hoping for those who are listening, if there is anything that you would like to send in and would like me to share, I would love to do so. And I know a lot of people will be asking me, what about the music? I think it was sad to realize that I wasn't able to continue playing music, at least the way that I was doing it in a way that was legal, but I knew that didn't mean that there wasn't a way for me to still play music. Knowing that music is something that people find a lot of joy and comfort in when listening to it melodically, but also the message that it carries, I wanted to keep it going. So with that being said, the song that I wanted to share for this episode is titled Garden by Onglish and Early Bird. Um, I'm sure that name rings a bell, but um, yeah, Garden um, is a song written and produced by Onglish and Early Bird. Um, and Early Bird also known as Vicky, is a good friend of mine, and so I had messaged her and asked her if I could use her song in my podcast, and of course she was like, yeah, like if you know her voice, she's like, yeah, go for it. Um, uh, so I asked her to send me a description of the song um, and just the whole process of how it was created and everything, and this is what she sent me. 
In Garden, I sing about a special place, a kind of sanctuary where I can sing, where I can dance, I can laugh in my garden. I can do these things because I'm essentially free from everything, all expect expectations, ego, worry, dot dot dot. It's the only place I know I'm truly free, and it's where I need to revisit constantly. The song actually started way back in 2017 when my producer friend Anglish sent me an instrumental. It was named Plants, and it was inspired by the plants he had in his bedroom. I started writing, and the song just flowed super easily, and it became Garden. We kept sending things back and forth, and it was cool that we were able to put our skills together, his in beat making and production, and mine in singing and writing, to create a song that we both love. The process took a while, but it got there. I remember at one point recording a take of the vocals when I was away in China a couple summers ago, but then the vocals we ended up using was from a day I trekked out to his studio in Hamilton last year. And yeah, essentially the song is about that freedom of being able to um, sing and dance and laugh and um, enjoy the time that um, she or you have in this garden. Um, and essentially um, the garden, she had told me, the garden represents uh, God's presence um, and being in God and being with God um, and having that feeling of love and um, free of worry um, and joy uh, in this uh, metaphorical garden. Um, so if you, if you search up Early Bird or Vicky um, and the songs that she writes, a lot of it um, has uh, meanings rooted in her inner faith. Um, and just uh yeah like her her experiences and relationship with god so um that was always something that i was really encouraged about um when i first met vicky uh in our first year we met in our first year which was um like it's only been three years but it feels like it's been a long time maybe four years um, but yeah, it feels like we've known each other for a long time. Um, we're both really busy, so we don't really see each other as often, but we do occasionally talk. Um, and it's usually about just um, how God is working in our lives um, and just the things that we're going through. And it's really encouraging to hear um, how passionate she is in what she um, what she's doing with her music and um, her 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 dream of becoming this artist um that not only creates songs because a lot of artists create songs but to to weave her faith into her her creations and her music um is really encouraging especially when she's um like she would share with me that she she has a lot of opportunities and i have um gone to her um performances live um and she's performing on a stage that's not necessarily um expecting her to be christian or to share her her faith 
um, and yet she is so joyfully and confidently sharing this um, with the people that she's she's sharing it with, and um, that was always really encouraging. So, um, like not just hearing her um, telling me her passions and her dreams, but to actually see her her live it out and um, and work for it um, and find so much joy in that is so encouraging to me um, as a friend and as a fellow sister in Christ. Um, so I always want to encourage her to just keep going um, and to not give up on this dream and of course not give up on um, sharing her faith and um, and who God is through her through her work um, and her passions. So yeah, super encouraging. If you can check her out, she's the early bird sings on Instagram. Um, I believe she's more active on SoundCloud. She has a SoundCloud called early bird. Um, I don't know if she has a Spotify. Um, Vicky, if you're listening to this and you wanna you wanna correct me, let me know and I can correct myself next time. But um, yeah, she she has a lot of things coming up. Um, I don't know if I can share necessarily what she's doing. Not that I know a lot of what she's doing, like the details of it. But she has a lot of things coming up for her. I know the situation right now is not ideal. Um, I know things have been canceled um, in regards to travel and um, production and stuff. But um, I know she's working really hard on doing a lot of new things with her music, collaborating with a lot of um, other artists and creators around her. So um, be expected to hear more about Vicky. So follow her on Instagram um, to get any updates. yeah. Oh, um, I guess I didn't mention she is a singer and songwriter, if that wasn't obvious. Um, she is based in Toronto. Um, and yeah, she her voice is described as a pastel bell. <laughs> That's something um, when I was like looking for like an official description of who she was. Uh, the only thing that I could find was this face- Facebook post that was made in 2017 that... Um, like the caption was early bird, um, Vicky Wang, singer and songwriter in Toronto. Her voice is like a pastel bell. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, but yeah, (laughs) uh, early bird. And I guess to just mention also, um, she was the, she's the vocals and the, the writer of the song Garden, but the producer, um, and, all the beats and the background sounds were created by Anglish. So Anglish is a producer slash DJ who, um, this is a this is a description from uh, his Facebook bio, I believe. Um, but he is a producer slash DJ who is lost in genre. He is still finding roots with a style that is emerging from hip-hop, dabbling in house, and admiring R&B while sitting with the ambient slash electronic based music. Obsessed with the texture of sounds, he records household items and filters sound, filters found sounds to create atmospheres and songs that feel like places as much as they feel like sounds. So yeah, check out Anglish. I'm hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, 
I'm very sorry if I'm not. It's O-N-G-L-I-S-H. So if you want to find him, I believe he has a Spotify. Um, so look, look for him there. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, this is Garden by Early Bird in English.
Now, to end off the episode, I just wanted to read from one of my favorite poems that I have read so far in this book, The Soul in Paraphrase, which is the book I am recommending tonight. I bought it on Amazon for $30.99 with free shipping. And if you're interested in poetry and want something to read before you go to sleep or to just read through peacefully, this is a good source. And the cover is very aesthetic too. So the poem that I want to read is titled Love by George Herbert, and I'll read the commentary that follows. Love by George Herbert Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin, but quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in drew nearer to me sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind ungrateful, ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them, let my shame go where doth deserve and know you not says love who bore the blame my dear then i will serve you must sit down says love and taste my meat so i did and eat so notes on selected words dust means the mortal sinful condition marred means damaged through human sinfulness and the commentary goes like this. Again, we have a poem by George Herbert that possesses a surface simplicity and underlying complexity. At the surface level, this poem takes its situation straight from everyday life. A host inviting a guest to stay for a meal. This host-guest relationship is the controlling image throughout the poem. Within the poem, the guest is the speaker's soul, line one, and the host is one of God's attributes, namely his love, line three. The dialogue is thus conducted by two personified beings. The poem is structured as a debate and is replete with back and forth dialogue and implied gestures. Additionally, there is an implied quest motif as the host, love, attempts to persuade a reluctant guest to stay for a meal. The guest's reluctance is based on his awareness of his sinful condition and therefore his unworthiness to be welcomed by God. As the, as the debate unfolds, the guest's resistance is gradually overwhelmed by the insistence of the host, divine love. The last line suddenly resolves the tension that has been growing and ranks as one of Herbert's celebrated quiet endings. All of this is relatively simple, but complexity emerges when we answer the question of what the poem is actually about. It is about three things at the same time. First, this poem is, very, is the very last poem in Herbert's volume of devotional poems entitled The Temple. It follows poems entitled Death, Judgment, and Heaven. It is obvious that the poem is about God's welcome of the sinner into heaven when his or her earthly life is over. Second, this is loosely a, converse, a conversion poem that portrays God's welcome of a sinner in the moment 
of once for all once for all repentance and coming to saving faith. Third, George Herbert was an Anglican clergyman for whom the sacraments were very important. We cannot read this poem without seeing in it God's invitation to his communion table, and in fact the poem would be at home in any church bulletin on a communion Sunday. The poem is rooted in several famous Bible passages. The guest's reluctance to accept the invitation of God is based on the reluctance motif in the stories of God's call of Moses in Exodus 4 and Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 5-8. The final picture of sitting and eating is based on the eschatological picture painted in Luke 12, 37. Quote, Verily I say unto you that he, God, shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them, which is the King James Version. So thanks for listening and have a good night.